Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Where shall I begin? Now, yesterday was an odd show, a very unpolitical show, where we talked about near-death experiences, and the way radio works is many of you we're online waiting to tell us your near-death experience, what you saw, what you didn't see, what you did. If you'd like to share it with the world, call 855-400-SAVAGE, and we'll do that for a little bit. There are many other things to talk about, uh, including impeachment, which I cannot tell you bores me to death. It just bores me because it's a kabuki drama. It's a kabuki drama, and a part of me is so cynical I'm such a cynic that I believe that this kabuki drama could be used by both parties, Trump included, to distract us from the fact that they're spending like insane people. What do you mean a $1.4 trillion budget? Where is this money going to? If you think that only the Democrats are benefiting from this grotesque overspending, you're mistaken. It goes all the way up the line to both parties. And there's an old adage that I've told you about on this show for many years, when both parties seem to agree on something, you can be sure of one thing, and that's that they're screwing the American people. And they're screwing the American people. So the impeachment kabuki drama goes on. Trump blasts impeachment as abuse of power in six-page letter to Pelosi. He's right. Uh, but why is Pelosi going ahead with it when she knows it's going to be turned down in the Senate? When she also knows that the polls don't support this false impeachment. Why? Because she's a power-mad lunatic. Pelosi is the one who should be impeached for being power mad. Pelosi is the one who should be investigated for her shenanigans. But it's not going to happen. She owns the media, as you well know. The phone number is 855-400-7282. Saw a story today that's not personal. A woman killed by falling building facade gets hit on the head with a brick. 49th Street and 7th Avenue, Manhattan. Very busy spot right near Madison Square Garden. She's walking down the street. A brick falls off a facade, kills her instantly. Turns out she's a veteran New York City architect. You sit and puzzle over a thing like this, and you say, what is this? What what the hell is this? Could have been you. Could have been me. Where is the rationality in a thing like that, the randomness of life and death? How does that work? So you say, well, those of you religious say, you know, don't question God. God works in strange way. Okay, so God killed her because, what, she did something in the 13th century to an Italian bricklayer? What's the rationalization for this? How about there is no rationalization for this? How about it's just a chance event? How about she just was in the wrong place at the wrong time? How about not everything makes sense? How about the world is a crazy place? How about the fact that we don't know from one minute to the next what might happen? Does that work for you? I don't think so. Well, that's unfortunately what the reality is. We do the best we can, we watch our step, and then we have to live our life. We can't hide under a cover, can we? But getting hit on the head with a brick while walking down a street in Manhattan is kind of like makes you think about this whole thing that I've been talking about with you yesterday, the the near-death experiences. You know, what are they? Many of you wanted to talk. One of you was a Vietnam veteran who died in in Nam, came back. Another one of you got hit by head-on motorcycle collision with a truck somewhere in Michigan. Amazing stories. Uh, And I want to know from you, because to me... 
You know, life and death are issues that have obsessed me since I'm about five years old. This is nothing new to me. I've been thinking about this issue since I'm a kid. Why? I don't know. I, I think I have my reasons. It's not to here to pull in your heartstrings. But the whole reason for life comes up again. Now, most of us don't care about this. Most of us want to get along with our lives and not dwell on the eternal. And I understand that. You, you, can't, you can get trapped in this stuff. And people call it morose. You're morose. You're, uh, I was always known as a morose kid. They didn't know what was wrong with me. Why you ask such questions, Michael? What's wrong with you? Why do you ask about these things? Well, you could ask, why was a Bible written? You could ask, why was psychiatry created as an enterprise? You could ask why people become doctors instead of lawyers. The doctors save lives and the lawyers take lives. That's why. <laughs> That's my own bias. You know, people who want to go into medicine generally do it in the beginning because they want to help people and save lives. People who go into law do not go into save lives. They go into take lives and steal from people with the cleverness of the law profession. It's a very interesting statement today from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, one of the most hateful people on the planet. A woman who has astonished me in her entire life. How a woman who can be such a communist, overt, naked communist her whole life. She was the former chief counsel for the ACLU, and yet she was approved 92 to 8, I believe, uh, to be appointed to the Supreme Court, which is astounding. That's like taking somebody who was the chief counsel for the Ku Klux Klan and saying her past or his past shouldn't matter. She's a good uh, jurist. She's a biased left-wing fanatic. Whether or not you're left-wing, it doesn't matter. She's a biased left-wing fanatic. And here she is saying that Trump's letter to Pelosi, calling what Pelosi is doing an abuse of power, has no meaning because why? Because Trump's not a lawyer. If that's not the most arrogant statement you've ever seen, tell me what is. That's the opening to the Savage Nation. We're open for business. 855-407-282. And I'm getting flooded now with so many of you who want to talk about your near-death experiences. And on other topics. John in Canada. Why he's calling, I don't know. He's in Canada. But I'm curious. John in Canada, what are you calling about? What's on your mind? Hey, Mike, uh, Dr. Savage, thanks for taking my call. Um, basically, I just wanted to share with you, I, I, I very rarely agree with some of the things that you say politically, but I listen to you every day. I think that the way that you get to your conclusion, the, 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 the road that you take to get there is what I learn from every day. Uh, so so you're, a, you're a, a laborite or a left-wing guy, but you like my logic? Pretty much, pretty much. And you know what? Most of my friends say that I'm not a liberal, that I'm actually a conservative. And so I have a hard time, you know, figuring out what exactly I am. But uh, how, how old are you, John? 31. No, oh, you're a young guy. It takes a long time to figure things out. Life has a way of instructing. John, life has a way of instructing us. I grew up as a liberal kid in New York. That was the menu in which I grew up. My teachers, my parents, everyone I knew looked at the world the same way. And... It was when my birthright was stolen from me by affirmative action that I began to understand what social engineering can do to a person. That's sort of the day I began to become a little more conservative. So I hope that you do not get cauterized by one of the social engineers in your socialistic Canada. There's a story that's coming out of Canada, I believe, that's somewhat related to this. Two men were getting on a plane. I believe it was in Canada. And one of them used the word Eskimo. All he said was Eskimo to the other one. He didn't mean it in any kind of slurring, negative way. 
right? All he said was Eskimo regarding the Inuit people, right? Well, guess what happened? Canada, two men fired after using the word Eskimo in a private conversation. Fired from their jobs. Boarding a flight from Labrador to Newfoundland when Dave Beck said the word Eskimo. His friend Thomas Scott responded by asking, can you smell him? I don't know what that has to do with it. The conversation was overheard by Inu Nation member and former Labrador MP Peter Penishoot and other passengers. Well, they were fired. They worked as plasterers and painters on a hotel renovation project, and they were fired and had their names dragged through the mud simply because they used the word Eskimo. What do you think about that? Don't you think that's an example of a government that's rather fascistic? Yes, you do. And I know you can't answer me because the line dropped. This is, <laughs> this is the savage nation. Lots to talk about today other than impeachment. God, do we have to do this for the rest of our lives? Do you understand, again, what Pelosi has done to this nation by dragging us through this insanity when we all know it's a crock of garbage? Let me explain again. Contempt of Congress? Every president in American history since I've been alive has been contemptuous of Congress at some point in their tenure. Every one going back to Dwight the Eisenhower has fought with Congress. Pelosi knows that. That's called a separation of powers. They fight with each other. That's why they're separate branches of government. Now, Pelosi is a dictator. She is the one who's abusing a power. She is the one who belongs in prison. Yes, she belongs in prison for what she's done to this nation. When you impeach half of America, what you're doing is destroying the nation itself. And what's odd about this impeachment thing, which I swore I wouldn't talk about much, is that the most unattractive person in current American politics, Jerry Nadler, is suddenly not there. They pulled him off the stage. His handlers, those who are behind Pelosi, as the Godfather said, the Pezzo Novantes. <laughs> I love that word. The Pezzo Novantes took that ugly sack of garbage off the stage. Nadler, where is he? He had a family emergency. Sidelines Nadler. Now, he is the most unattractive Democrat amongst very unattractive Democrats. And he's leaving the day before expected impeachment vote. Do you understand that he tanked Pelosi's plan to become president? Do you understand he is the most ugly person they could possibly have used to lead this charge on this committee? Everything's, pol everything's show business today in America, whether it's politics or showbiz itself. It's all showbiz. So when you run up an unattractive man like Nadler, and then you see the day after he starts his ridiculously droning on and on, abuse of power, Trump interfered with an ally, uh, and war. what ally? Excuse me, could anyone explain to me what, what Ukraine is to us? Nothing. In re re restricted military aid to an ally at war, Ukraine's our ally? They, they supported the Nazi government in World War II. When has Ukraine become our ally? Ukraine has always been proto-Nazi. From the day I can remember studying Ukraine, it's proto-Nazi. Now all of a sudden, they're the ally of the Democrats. Well, that does make sense in a way. Ukraine is our ally at war? And what was it that Obama sent our ally at war? Trump sent them Javelin missiles. Obama sent them blankets and hot chocolate. This is the Savage Nation. We're open for business. I'll be right back. Michael Savage, a host like no other. 
Look, whether you're an athlete, weekend warrior, or someone who deals with constant joint pain, back pain, muscle soreness, or arthritis, finding a natural remedy that instantly works might seem, well, non-existent. Most over-the-counter pain relievers such as Icy Hot and Bengay only focus on one basic cooling effect, such as menthol, which temporarily takes your mind off the pain until the pain returns in an hour or so. But if you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFree CBD, developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on is specifically formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. But the best part is this 100% natural CBD-powered remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application, and relief can last up to eight hours, much longer than over-the-counter products. It's super easy to throw in your gym bag and take on the go for emergency pain relief. Simply roll it over where it hurts and ice out the pain with an arctic blast. Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of CryoFreeze pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. This discount also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com and enter code SAVAGE to take advantage of this remarkable savings. That is omaxhealth.com, code SAVAGE. You will get 20% off cryo-freeze and anything on the site. That's omaxhealth.com, code SAVAGE. So if you're looking to relieve your muscle and joint pain within 15 minutes and need a natural yet powerful solution that is tested and works, try cryo-freeze pain relief roll-on. This quick-absorbing, scientifically-backed formula provides pain relief instantly. Remember, go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code SAVAGE. That is omaxhealth.com and enter code SAVAGE to get 20% off cryo-freeze on site-wide. Don't let muscle soreness continue to be an excuse for living an active lifestyle. Go out there and live. Go to omaxhealth.com and feel relief much faster. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Welcome back. You know, I'm on a, uh, I'm on a, quite a journey right now. I, I'm on an almost 100% vegan diet. I know you say, what, you? Vegan doesn't mean communistic. So just remember that in the 70s, I wrote the books on nutrition. I'm a leader in the field. I'm just practicing what I actually preached in the 70s and 80s. I got very sloppy. So one day I'm going to tell you about uh, zucchini spaghetti and soy meat, which tastes better than spaghetti and meatballs. It's fantastic. And uh, I feel better. It's amazing, amazing. And I also want to talk about mysticism another day, about my interest in mysticism one day, not today. Because I stumbled upon something that I need to share with everyone listening, those of you interested in mysticism, and I know there aren't many. Of my entire audience, what is the percentage that gives a damn about these things? But I found that according to the ancients, sin would have to be embraced in order that its life force be taken from it. Think about that statement. Sin would have to be embraced in order that its life force be taken from it. In other words, well, let me do it another way. The numerical equivalent of the Hebrew word for snake is the same as the Hebrew word for Messiah, a symbolism reminiscent of the ancient Gnostic rites. So what is that? What is that? The official rationale is that the old rationale of the seed being broken before it could bring forth new life. A person has to transgress the law in order to fulfill it. You get it? No, it needs more discussion than that. 
But all of us have to understand that we're imperfect creatures. We're here on a, uh, on a visit. We got a hall pass here on earth. God gave us a hall pass from wherever we all came from and wherever we go. And during this hall pass, we get to march around on this planet and do some things all over again. And uh, all I can say is, if you want me to make it political, man, I would never want Pelosi's karma. Wow. But let's go back to the bigger stuff, you know, the regular stuff, and take some callers. Please, let's not talk about impeachment. We know it's a crock of garbage. We know that every president has done exactly what Trump has done in one way or another. And by these laws, Obama would have impeached repeatedly. As far as an ally at war, can anyone listening to this show tell me that you really think Ukraine is our ally at war? Our ally against what? You don't even know where Ukraine is, most of you Democrats. Ukraine, my crane, his crane, that crane. There goes a crane. You're a crane in the neck to me. Ukraine, never heard of it. Now all of a sudden, an ally at war. You think of World War II footage. The noble Ukrainian soldiers needing our weapons withheld by the evil Trump in order to investigate Hunter Biden's and investigate Biden's corrupt son. Trump did us all a favor by investigating Biden's son. That's the whole story here. But, hey, your mind is made up. I can't help you. America's having a near-death experience right now under Pelosi and Nadler. Idaho, Jason, make it quick. I'm sorry I took up too much of everyone's time. What's on your mind, Jason? Oh, not too much. Uh, thank you for everything you do, sir. I'm, I'm a fellow uh, person with a surname, Savage. It always makes me proud to see you out there speaking. I'm curious, do you know any of the attempts? Like, my, mine is, uh, goes back to Edric Salovage in, uh, in England. Do you know where you're? <laughs> no, mine doesn't go back beyond uh, Charles Savage, which is a myth- mythological creature, which I'll tell you about another time. Tell us your near-death experience in a minute or less. What's your real last name, then? Did you fall through a greenhouse and cut your neck open? I did, but what's your real last name? Well, what's your real death experience? What was your real near-death experience? I feel like I've been duped. How tall? You're how, at least how, how, f- how far did you cut your neck open? You're at least tall. Did it, did, it, did, it cut, did it cut the blood out of your brain because you sound like a brain-dead person without blood in your mind? All right, you see, you get the schmucks no matter what you try to do. They'll come on the show. And they'll do whatever they have to do to sound as stupid as they were, which is why their wife left them and why they were unpopular in high school and why they still vote for Nancy Pelosi. All right. When I come back, we'll continue our dialogue here on all these important topics. Let me ask you something. Do you think the polls that say impeachment is backfiring are correct or is it just wishful thinking of Republicans? What do you think of that one? The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Hey, here's a question. How did you sleep last night? Did you spend the night tossing and turning, worrying? Now look, if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a purple mattress. The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds, wheelchairs. Well, in 2016, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create purple the world's most scientific mattress now what does that mean how is purple different from other mattresses listen the purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced why because it uses the brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist 
It was not like the memory foam that I'm used to or you're, you're used to. No, no. The purple material feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the very same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable. Unlike foams, it's breathable so it sleeps cool. It ends up giving you the zero gravity-like feel so it works for any sleeping position. Okay, 100-night risk-free trial. You're not satisfied? You can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free at-home setup, old mattress removal. You ready? You're going to love purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text SAVAGE to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to do this. You ready? Text SAVAGE to 84-888. That's S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. Text S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. S-A-V-A-G-E to 84-888. Message and data rates may apply. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Uh, welcome back to The Savage Nation. The show is uh, moving along on its own volition right now. It's the mark of a good show is when you feel that it has a life of its own and it's taken on a life of its own because we're mixing in a little politics with other stuff. And, you know, most of you like the other stuff more than the politics. It's not that politics don't interest you, but you, you know where this is going. We know it's a political stunt. I told you I'm a little cynical on the whole charade. A little part of me believes both parties are playing the American people for suckers. Because while they're doing this kabuki drama, which will lead to no change whatsoever, they're blowing the budget through the, through the uh, stratosphere. Unbelievable. They're undermining the budget like I've never seen. I know, I know, I know. Call me a never-Trumper. But pardon me, I'm a fiscal conservative. I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy. Nothing's changed for me in that regard. But we're really talking about a near-death experience that you, were made, you may have had, because I hovered over last week, 10 days ago, and I did my prayer and prayer and prayer and prayer, and here I am. And I shouldn't uh, dwell on it. I don't want to dwell on it. But as I was thinking about death, naturally my mind went to the little death, le petite mort. If you don't know what le petite mort is, it's the little death or the orgasm. And when I speak of the little death or orgasm, I'm reminded of a saying from yesteryear in England where a certain Earl of Chesterfield said that, well, sex is this. The pleasure is momentary, the position ridiculous, and the expense damnable. Harvey Weinstein, are you listening? Sex, <laughs> the pleasure is momentary, <laughs> the position ridiculous, and the expense, damnable. That's Philip Stanhope, fourth Earl of Chesterfield. English literature is just wonderful, isn't it? Uh, you heard it on the Savage Nation. So we're talking about Le Petit Mort right now and the Big Mort. And I don't mean Mort Saul. Brian in California has a Big Mort story, uh, line two. Brian, tell us about your Big Mort story. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I've listened to you for years, and I just want to thank you for all that you've done for our nation's mental health and our spiritual health. And I just want to thank you for all you've done. You know what? Let me just say thank you very much. It means a lot to me to believe that I made a difference for the better. So what's your story today? I thank you for those compliments. They'll, they'll stick with me tonight. Yes. Um, 
when I was 16, I tried to swim across the lake, and I was a poor swimmer. I, uh, like so many of the people that are caught in that, I turned around and tried to swim back, leaving my friends behind. Approximately a quarter of the way back or half the way back, and I started to go down, and I could not swim any further. Luckily for me, uh, when I cried out for help when I went down the third time, my aunt, who could not swim, heard me. And through her consternation, uh, uh, told somebody down just from uh, the shore who was an Olympic-class swimmer that I was in trouble, and she saved me. What happened to you, though, at that moment that you thought you were going to die? That's the interesting part to me. Well, what it was, I actually had the classic near-death experience where I left my body. Ah. I saw myself floating, and then I got extremely scared. Oh, you, you would detect, you, you, your, wait, your soul rose up from your drowning body and you looked down and saw yourself drowning? Yes. Okay, but you were, were you above your physical form? Uh, no, actually, it was more like I was to the side underwater, but it didn't matter. Okay, so you looked at yourself drowning, you got scared, what happened next? I turned around and ran through a dark tunnel. Oh. And there was a bright light at the end. Wow. And when I got there, and in the process of getting there, my life flashed before my eyes. Oof. And I can only say that it somehow it all made sense. Oh, my God. When I, reached, when I reached the bright light, I was greeted by someone who I would believe would be my maternal grandfather, who I never met. And was basically reassured in just an instant that it was all going to be all right. And I was whisked by angels hmm. and basically across a clear, smooth ocean. Hmm. And I was surrounded by love and light. Gee, overwhelming. What a beautiful and strange story you just told. And then what? Then you were rescued and snapped sort of out of it? Um, I, I have to be careful how I state this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, in that, it, it sounds trivial, but it, it's not really. I, I, I was brought to the feet of God, and um, basically, I, at that point, I did not want to go back, but I was told I had to go back. Oh, my God. So you decided to live. Go ahead. What had happened was, is when I got scared and started running through the tunnel, I cried out for my mother because I knew it would break her heart that I died. And basically, I was informed that because I was selfless and God didn't want to break my mom's heart, I was going back and I had a mission to do, which basically was have children. Hmm. Tell my story and let people know that well, we are one and we are forgiven and we are loved. I'm almost moved to tears by your story. That's how strong the story is. I don't know what else to say. I'm, I'm speechless. I believe every word you just said to me. As cynical and as sarcastic as I can be, what you just told me sounds like a true confession. Doesn't sound like a script. It doesn't sound like it was written by, by Hollywood. So <clears throat> that's an amazing story. It has so many elements to it. And... Uh, tied in with your compliments at the beginning of your 
so-called confession of your near-death experience, it has a triple meaning to me. Do you, do you think, do you think, how old are you now, rather? I'm 66. Have you ever had an experience like that since? Yeah, I had one earlier this year. I came near to death. I had an emergency surgery. I had a massive infection after a first surgery. Mm. I kind of got close. I didn't actually get there, as far as I know. Um, uh, it was it was emergency surgery, and um, I had a opportunity to go back to the other side, and I I believe I through God's grace I was helped and chose not to go there. Let me ask you something. You said you saw God. Did you see a figure when you said you saw God? Was it a light? Was it a sensation? Was it a being? Yeah, that's why I need to be so careful in that, no, no, I can't actually say that I saw God. The only way to describe it was a bright light, like looking at the sun, mm. um, a, 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 a being so powerful and full of love mm. and grace. Um, but, uh, you know, I, there was no real, you know, like a God figure, per se. No, I understand. He, he wasn't wearing a cloak, for example. Got it. Yes. It was, a, it was an energy. Yeah, it, uh, it was. It, uh, I would liken it to a spiritual statue of Abraham Lincoln in the Lincoln Memorial, where there was just like this huge entity of light and love and power. Well, look, I don't want to <coughs> dwell on your catastrophically re revelatory experience and try to draw any more out of it other than saying thank you so much for sharing with us today on the Savage Nation. And by the way, thank you so much for your kind words. They will live with me for a long time. The words are powerful. Right. The words are powerful, especially after you get a, a, a jerk who calls before that, who doesn't hear a word that I say and calls with a vendetta simply because he's a miserable human being who probably wishes he was never born. Humans are quite amazing. So what's triggering all of this conversation, this near-death experience conversation? Well, I started it yesterday. I was off for 10 days. I don't want to again dwell on me, although it is about me. It's my talk show. We project who we are on these shows. And that's what these shows, what these shows are about. And after a long period of time, if you're lucky enough and the audience is still with you, you've established a bond with your audience. You are, in essence, an extended uh, community, not an extended family, but an extended community. And the Savage Nation is an extended community of individuals who may not agree with each other politically in some ways, but agree with each other in so many other ways, or vice versa. Jim, we have the time here to play segment two of the Periscope, don't we? Jim, are you listening? Anyone? We can't. Okay, this is what happened uh, to me in... Um, in the clip, segment three of what I did over the weekend. Let's listen to it. I want to hear it myself. There's so much more that I want to say, and I can't say it in a 15-minute hello on a Periscope. It's my way of saying that I'm back, and God saved my life. God has me here for a reason, and there's only one reason. You know what that reason is? To spread good in God's word. 
No other reason. That's my interpretation. God, faith, and reason. Why did I, why did I choose those three words? God, faith, and reason. Well, you all know what God is. Those who believe in God, believe in God. Those who don't know who God is anyway. I, I don't believe in God. Okay, you just said you, you don't believe in, in God. What do you believe in? I believe in nothing. That means you believe in something. And what is that something? That something is the eternal. What is the eternal? I don't know what it is, but I know it's not God. Good for you. When your face is on a mat and you are in the humus and you're hovering between life and death, get back to me. So we have God. We have to have faith in God, but we must have reason, not blind faith. God, faith, and reason. That's how man has evolved. Otherwise, we'd be the Neolithic people of the Middle East in those countries where our poor boys have to go and face this 15th century culture, this Neolithic culture. They're not evil people. They're just people who have not evolved from the 15th century. We have plenty of them in our society. But worse than them, without dwelling on the bad, are those who are highly evolved, highly intelligent, highly educated, who know better, who know what the Soviet Union was, who know what the Soviet Union did to 100 million people, and the poison that was spread by those devils, Marx, Trotsky, Engels, I know all of them. I've studied all of them. Poisoned China. China was not communist before they picked up the poison of Russia. Cambodia was not communist till they picked up the poison uh, bread in Russia. Are the Russians evil? No, but the Russians faced evil. Evil that we could never comprehend. What the Russians lost in World War II, defeating Hitler, is something we can't comprehend. 400,000 Russian boys and men died just in the last weeks of the war, taking Berlin from the Nazis in their last stand. 400,000 died just taking Berlin. That was after the war was almost all over everywhere else. You don't understand the Russian mind. All you understand is hatred of Russia because of those who are wanting you to hate Russia. My community is the Savage Nation, and it's time we got savage! We're not doing politics today, uh, although there's a few political stories that you have to hear about. Illegals line up early for newly available New York driver's licenses. Isn't that nice? Jerry Brown did that here in the state of California. How's that working out so far? Really great. Now, why would they want to give driver's licenses to non-citizens? Voting. Voting. It's a fast track to vote for another corrupt Democrat. No social security number. If you're a non-citizen, step right up in New York State now and become an automatic voter for the corrupt Cuomo machine. Same here in California, which is now a one-party system, just like Mexico. The only thing missing from uh, what's going on in Mexico? Well, coming to a neighborhood near you very soon. With a one-party system, you have tyranny. This is the Savage Nation, back in a minute. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Spans of the spoken word. Welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. 
Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Here I am, the 10,000-year-old man, Michael Savage. Welcome back to the program, 855-407-282. We are talking about anything but impeachment. Because the impeachment kabuki drama is, well, we know what it is. They impeached and the Repubs don't impeach. And meanwhile, they're spending themselves into eternity. And we, the morons, are work, working ourselves up over which side we're on. I love it. I mean, that's the way it works. That's politics. It's great. It's called sleight of hand. I know. I know. You don't believe it. I mean, you think that there's clear sides. And there may be here and there some clear sides of good and evil. But truthfully, at the end of the day, when you see spending like this and no one cares, you got to ask yourself, while the Treasury is being basically robbed, blind, we're being robbed blind. Illegals running over the border, being given driver's licenses, not a peep out of the Republicans. It's a sham in many ways, the whole political system. It all sucks. Hot dogs excluded. So I'd rather talk about eternal questions for a bit. Pardon me, it's that time of, in, in America uh, around these holidays that we start to think about the bigger things, don't we? I mean, it's Christmas which is a religious holiday, Christ Mass, and most Americans are Christians, despite what uh, Representative Elon Omar would like to believe. We're not living in Somalia. We're not living in Afghanistan. We're living in the United States of America, which is fundamentally a Christian nation, founded by Christians, by the way, Christmas. And so people's minds turn to the I don't know. They become better people. People are basically better around this time of year. I always love this time of year, don't you? So I'm asking you about eternal questions on the program, such as, you know, eternal questions about life and death. Did you have a near-death experience? Before I take some calls, including Jimmy, should I take Jimmy now and then do this? Yeah, go for it. Jimmy's holding on. Jimmy's a favorite caller. I haven't heard from him since I got sick. Jimmy on line two. Jimmy, my lad, welcome to the program. Thanks for calling out of uh, Staten Island, New York. What's on your mind? Staten Island. Yes, Dr. Savage, thanks for taking my call. I listened to you this morning around 6 o'clock on Periscope. Uh, I watch it because I, I, I follow. I look every now and again. And you know where I come from, Doc. I was like a girl in my car crying, watching. I said, oh, where did he go? This is a guy I promised that if anything happened to him, I'm going to drop dead right after him. And then you almost got sick on me? Come on, you're bigger and you're better than that. You're schooling me since 1992. Come on, you're going to be fine. But listen, now I could say we're truly family. You know why? You why? have the name of my ex-wife. That's who that Amazon was, the demon. That's who it was. <laughs> oh, stop. I knew you'd bring it around to her. So you, and that, you and that ex-wife of yours, you're obsessed with her. Can't you let it go? Now, are you kidding me? She surrounds me, all 300 pounds of her. Well, when the demon came to me, it was like a seven-foot-tall uh, Neolithic character with a stone knife. You're saying it was your wife in drag? Yeah, yes, minus the knife. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, hey, Doc, listen, about um, like in, in, in one the Catholics that I am, Christian Catholics, one and the same, when we dream of death, a person dying, a, a family dying, even, even our pets, our animals, that means long life. Now, whether my great-great-grandmother made that up or, and my grandmother just uh, sent it down the pike, 
That's what we believe. So I believe that that's a sign of life, that Teddy's going to stay here with us a little longer, and you're going to stay here with us, like I said, until I croak. Because life and death, what are we going through with this, uh, all this garbage in the world today? And it's not just the United States of America. It's global. Yeah. Everyone's got, everyone's dropping dead one way or another, whether it be disease, E. coli, a salad you could eat, then tomorrow you can't eat it. Uh, you could go up, you could, now you can't, you got to go down. You just have to stay focused. And uh, Jimmy, I know. I See, what you're doing, you're like a Rorschach test of America's psyche. Okay. A woman's walking down 7th Avenue in New York, 49th Street, a brick falls off a building and hits her in the head. I was talking about it at the beginning of the show. How do you explain that, Jimmy? Well, you know what? It's 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 fate. That's how it happened. What's going to be? What, you know, Doc, I know a lot of people, they drink orange juice, they eat the bread muffin, they're healthy, and they're running, and they get hit by a trailer. So now he's a healthy... Or they get a heart attack with everything. I mean, they do everything right, and they still get a, a little a little H.A. job. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, know, you don't know from one day to the next. What did you say this morning when I listened to you? Tend your own garden. That's why I got Bazanigol over here. I got my, my uh, cucumbers over here. I got my uh, eggplant over there. I have to tend my own garden. You know what? And as far as you said about what everybody's discussing, I'm, I'm not even going to mention it as in Washington. I don't watch it no more. I watch Andy Griffith. I watch Heha. I watch anything. Well, because it's a charade. I called it a kabuki drama, but in our language, it's called a charade. You got the Dems who are going through the charade, saying things that we know are such bullcrap. And, and you agree with me they pulled that nebbish Nadler off the stage because he was tanking the entire impeachment uh, charade? He's so ugly. The guy is so unappealing that he alone dropped it by three points. Yeah, but you, Nadler's the reason why men left women, you understand? No, Nadler's the reason women became lesbians. That's right. <laughs> but how are you feeling, Dr. Savage? You know, I'll let you decide. How do I sound, Jimmy? How do I sound? A hundred percent. There you, there's your answer, Jimmy. God bless you, and, and a happy Hanukkah, and Merry Christmas, and so Thank on. Thank you. God bless you, man. Everybody. I love you. I love callers like that. Now, I want to read something from my book. Hang up the show if you want. It's short. It's a one-pager on... Where is God? Because I just found it this morning. I think it's appropriate to this discussion. It's in God, Faith, and Reason, which is a sleeper book of mine. I got to tell you again, when I wrote Trump's War, which became a New York Times number one bestseller with no help whatsoever from the media, Trump's War, number one on the New York Times list. Think about it. I was on no television shows, here and there a little one, because I'm not allowed on Fox News. I've been banned for a long time. Still became number one with almost no publicity, right? So the publisher said, we want you to rush out a book on Trump right after he won. So we rushed it out, became number one. I said to my great editor, Kate, over at the, the great publisher who's been publishing me over at Center Street, I said, Kate, if you will publish my God book, I will do the Trump's war book. She published the God book. The book has sold over 100,000 copies in all editions. It's unheard of that a book like this would sell. It's a sleeper with zero promotion. Do you understand that? Forget the fact that Trump's war became number one. This little book on God, faith, and reason has sold over 100,000 in various, I guess, editions without any promotion whatsoever, and it'll continue to sell for, for years to come. So let me read you, and remember, I'm not a guru. My political faith is borders, language, and culture. But what is my religious faith? What are my ideas about the Judeo-Christian foundation of the American culture that I have fought all of my life to preserve? Well, 
I draw on Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, and other spiritual sources, as well as experiences in my own life, experiences from the radio show, and I share my glimpses of God that I've experienced over the whole of my life before and after I entered radio, starting with my childhood stories, my dinner with an atheist and a Buddhist, an interview with the Jewish gangster before he died, my reflections on selected passages from ancient scriptures uh, are just a few of the eclectic group of experiences and insights that I share in this book. And I want to just read you a short piece called Where is God? So I ask you, where is God? People seek to find God in as many places as they're on earth and in as many ways. I recall one of the pages from the great book Zorba the Greek by Nikos Kazantzakis. It's the story about a monk who climbs a mountain in Greece with the chief character Zorba. You may have remembered him played by Anthony Quinn. And when they get to a certain point and they're relaxing on the mountain, the priest tells Zorba a story about a woman he met in one of the villages. She was an outcast. She was a widow. And for some reason, the people looked down upon her thinking that she was a loose woman, so to speak. The long and short of that story is that the priest spent the night with her and had sex with her probably the first time in his life. And he told Zorba that when dawn came the following morning, he was closer to God than he had ever been in his life. And that's one way people find God. I guess it's through transcendental experiences, whether they be sex, drugs, music, etc. People see God in their own way every day. Some people say they stand on a shoreline, listening to the waves breaking against the shore and feel closer to God. Or they may walk on a beach or in a forest. There's the famous song from many years ago about hearing the cry of a newborn baby and knowing why you believe what you do. Those are the ways people seek communion with the greatest spirit to which we're all connected. After all, what are we? What actually are we? In addition to being the blood, the bone, the vessels, the tissue, we are spirit. And everything we come into contact with resonates on or with that spirit for better or for worse. We know that some people can bring us down or give us a headache. Some can bring us up. Some can make us happy. Some can make us sad. Some can make us elevated. What is that about? It's about the fact that we're like tuning forks and we resonate with other energy forces. The other, other energy forces can be other people, a pounding surf, an animal, a dog, a cat, or a bird. But the ultimate tuning fork in the sky is what we're talking about in this book. How can we tap into that resonance in heaven? Some people go to church and in joining a congregation, they are better able to resonate with the higher power. I remember when I was a young boy, I asked about my grandfather who died long before I was born. Well, the word came down that my grandfather was not a religious man, that he didn't go to a temple to pray. Instead, my grandfather said, as I was told, he could be out in nature with his back to a tree and talk to God. In many ways, the same is true for me today. Proverbs says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but the companion of fools shall smart for it. Proverbs 13.20. It's in the book, God, Faith, and Reason. I'll be right back. Michael Savage, a host like no other. So there we are. There we are. There we are. In all thy ways shall you know him. That's what Proverbs teaches. Now, I know this, 
this, look, this is not a, a, a religious radio show. It's, a, it's an AM radio show, which is largely topical, primarily political. It's a huge risk to dwell on these things when the run-of-the-mill discussions are about impeachment and such. You love Trump, you hate Trump. I can't take it anymore. How many times can you say Trump in one day? I'm not Nancy Pelosi. I'm not Nadler. That's all they think about. So let's talk about bigger things than that. In all thy ways shall you know him. Now, what does that mean? It means man can meet God in every circumstance of your life. Um, you can perform the deepest meditations and acts of unification, even though, even through your most earthly actions, while eating, you can talk to God. What do you think there's a prayer where there's a prayer over bread? Jewish people say, you know, your prayer, thank you, God, for giving me the bread. Thank you, God, for giving me this glass of wine. What is that about? That's to remind yourself that it's not by chance that you're here and that you're able to eat. Number one, you have the health to eat. And that God provided you with that piece of bread or that glass of wine. It's a thank. It's a thanks. That's all. You can do it while drinking. You can do it while having sexual intercourse. You can do it through a business interaction. Interaction. If you're George Soros, and you made some money that day, on a nice trade, shorting some company out and throwing people into the gutter, he could thank God for that. You never know how people thank God for what. But I want to go to the callers and see what they have to say. Okay, Anne in Michigan, thank you for calling the Savage Nation. Tell us your story, please. When I was 24, I had a really bad husband, and he made me feel like there was no alternative but suicide. Oh, God. Uh, one day, uh, while he was uh, not paying attention to me, I tried to hang myself. And I'm pretty nervous telling you this. I've never told very many people at all. But um, I put myself on a hook with a belt and just gave up just gave up and let it go. And within a very short period of time, I was above my body and looking down at myself. And shortly thereafter, I was met by an entity that was kind of wafting. And he said to me, and it was a he, he said to me, you've done a lot of stupid things and you've had a lot of fun in your life and now it's time to gain knowledge. And so we started wafting toward the light. And as we wafted toward the light, the uh, hook I was on broke, and I came back. And when I, when I came to, my stupid husband was standing over me laughing, telling me I couldn't even kill myself. Oh. And from that point on in my life, which was 42 years ago, I have done that. I, I thought to myself, wow, I'm not afraid of dying anymore. Because it, when I go there, there's somebody there to greet me. But I also felt like if I wasn't going to gain knowledge that way, that it was really important to do it on Earth. I want to go back to this entity waiting there to meet you. Describe the entity. Well, he was a blonde and just very, very um, copacetic, very uh, welcoming. And so would it be the portraits of Jesus that have been popularized here in American culture? Nope, nope. It, it was like he was my my personal guidance, gui guidance, guidance. So it was, it was not a stereotypical calendar Jesus that no, you saw? No, not at all. It was a personal entity that was there to, to guide me only. Wow. It was not stereotypical at all. Hmm. And, you know, while I have heard a lot about people walking toward the light and 
and that it's a, a factor of your brain um, losing oxygen and all that stuff. It was very real to me. It was like no. Oh yeah, I've heard the same mechanistic descriptions of pets, where they say that they feel nothing. I've heard that from people all my whole life. Or, or when we had young babies, the atheists in the university would say, "The baby has no emotions; they're just burping." I've heard all of that from every imaginable. I know the atheistic viewpoint, which is that we have no 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 heart, no soul. All we have is a, a, a kind of a machine. We're just machines. I've heard it all. I myself don't believe in the mechanistic theory of human life. But I thank you very much, Anne, for two things. One, for your enlightening so many people. And where's that bastard husband of yours today? That's the topic for another. What a monster he was. What a monster. God. Isn't he? What a monster, Jim. Total monster. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Let's move to politics for a few minutes on the Savage Nation and go back to the Jersey City shooting. We've already forgotten about the um, black Hebrews, the black Hebrew Israelites swept under the rug because they were not white nationalists. They didn't look like Timothy McVeigh. They weren't former former Army veterans. Uh, They didn't meet the profile that CNN prefers, and yet they shot up a, a Jewish deli, killed people. And uh, we want to talk about that for a minute because of the rising tide of anti-Semitism in America, especially from atypical sources. See, they're not all conservative right-wingers who are doing these things, although there are those as well. Right now we have Zach Shapira, executive director of the Jacques Coalition for Justice, for a few minutes to talk about the Jersey City shooting uh, on the Savage Nation. Zach, welcome to the uh, program. What can you tell us about that? Have any more details emerged about the Jersey City killers and their motives yeah. since the initial finding that they were followers of the black Hebrew Israelites? First of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, I think two things really emerged in the days following the shooting. Uh, the first is that we know for sure now that this was, without a doubt, an anti-Semitic attack. Uh, there was some initial confusion about whether it was just a case of bystanders getting caught in a crossfire, there were some news reports that it was a drug bust gone wrong, but uh, all the evidence that's now in points to the fact that they chose this specific target because it's Jewish. Well, I read later on that they were actually targeting a Hebrew school across the street with children in it. Exactly. And so, you know, that's the second thing. That there well, who are, these, who are these evil black Hebrew Israelites? Who are these people? Um, well, it's like a, it's a loose and decentralized movement of black supremacists. They believe that they're the true descendants of biblical Jews. Wait a minute. There's such a thing as a black supremacist? I haven't heard of that. All I've heard of are, I've only heard about white supremacists. Of course, I've known about Hispanic supremacists uh, for years, because if you listen to La Raza, what they're espousing is the superiority of their own particular orient, uh, orientation and race. Of course, there are supremacists in all races. Well, I really am not that shocked to hear about the black Hebrews being black supremacists. Of course, Wolf Blitzer hasn't heard that. You wrote the following in USA Today, Zach. You said anti-Semitism is rising across the world and becoming more violent and lethal. But somehow it only inspires popular outrage when it can be blamed on the far right. Tell us what that's about. Yeah, uh, I mean, anti-Semitism is on the rise. You you pick a statistic, vandalism, harassment, hate crimes, in this case, you know, murder targeted against Jews. And the rates are accelerating year over year. Uh, And it's not just because white supremacy is on the rise. 
for because of broader racial tension. This, this is a disease that's spreading from all possible sides from both. Yeah, but why? The, the question is why? All, I mean, where's it coming from? Uh, well, I think- in, in my opinion, look, you want to discuss it? It's because of the influx of Muslims into Europe and into America. I mean, you know, and I know that it's inherent in the, the hatred well, you know, anti-Semitism is nothing new. It's, it's been around for thousands of years, as long as there have been Jews. Yeah, but it wasn't. But, Zach, it was not really prevalent in this country over the last 30 or 40 years. All of a sudden, we see it everywhere. In Europe, we know it's coming from the influx of Islamics into Europe. I know you probably don't want to say it. Now, the black Hebrews, are they, are they Christians? Are they Jewish? Are they, what are they? Uh, some self-identify as uh, Christian. Some self-identify as, as Jews. But uh, I think, you know, the, the primary takeaway from them is that they, they're conspiracy theorists. They, they think that Jews are fake imposters. One of the conspiracy theories that was spread by um, one, of the, one of the shooters in Jersey City is that Jews are using the police to carry out a well-planned agenda against black people. Um, and, what, and what is that agenda in their paranoid mind? That's coming directly from Nation of Islam, uh, whatever his name is. Louis Farrakhan preaches that regularly on their newspapers. So you hear this in the black... The, the newspapers of the Nation of Islam profess the most vile kind of anti-Semitism on a regular basis, and it's a free country, but the fact is that a lot of it's coming from their newspapers and their preachings. Yeah, so, I mean, similar, similar theories have been spread um, even outside of the black Hebrew Israelites, but it's not hard to imagine how this kind of hateful rhetoric incites violence and can lead to the type of atrocity we saw in Jersey City. Well, what, what is anyone supposed to do about it? They can't ban free speech, can they? No, you know, I think, I think that this most recent increase um, is because of a rise in hate speech and in, in nasty identity, identity politics from, from all sides. Um, you know, from the right, it's clear that white nationalists have become more brazen. The march in Charlottesville two years ago was a stark example of this. Um, also, far-right conspiracy theories about Jews flooding the country with immigrants, being responsible for taking white uh, people's jobs away. That's that's, for example, what the Pittsburgh killer believed. Uh, but the far left has conspiracy theories, too, about Jews or Israel being behind this brutality that played a role in Jersey City. Uh, we've seen that parroted by different leaders on, uh, in the progressive movement. Well, look, you could, you could get me involved in my discussion. I've actually done a whole show on it where I asked, is uh, anti-Semitism going to be uh, spiked up because of the prominent Jewish people on the left in the impeachment hearings? I mean, we can put our head in the sand and say that uh, Schiff, Nadler, Engels have no effect upon the population and their thinking, but you'd be wrong to say that. You know, people are really angry right now, uh, one way or the other. Why are people who are uh, so hateful about Donald Trump and his supporters that they call people who vote for Trump Nazis, they say everyone who votes for Donald Trump is a Nazi? How is that possible? One of the, one of the most pernicious, um, you know, byproducts of this type of hatred is that you'll find people justifying all types of bigotry, uh, and in this case, in Jersey City, um, the murder was, was sort of justified by some media outlets by there being tension in the community. They were tracing the history of the Jewish community in Jersey City. Um, the New Yorker ran a big piece on this. All right. Well, Zach, I don't mean to cut you off, but your phone is breaking up. That's the absolute truth. And again, I thank you very much for joining us on this very important topic uh, of the resurgence of uh, anti-Semitism in America. I would definitely uh, go well beyond Jersey City 
in this discussion, but frankly, I don't really want to stress out on this right now. It's a little, it's a lot distressing for me to talk about this. Uh, 855-400-7282 is the phone number. Let's go back to the callers on their near-death experiences because it's something that is personal. It's not theoretical. I'd like to hear what the people have to say about that. Dan in Connecticut, are you still with us on line seven? Dan, welcome to the Savage Nation. Hello. Dan, what was your experience? Well, sorry, I'm out of breath. Scraping ice off the driver right now. Um, my experience is uh, I was a 19-year-old, 19-year-old kid. I was partying pretty hard. And I don't live that way now, mind you. But uh, it was a day I was in a house doing drugs. I was doing cocaine. It's not really, met, you know, not really known for being a hallucinogenic. And um, I, I did too much. Uh, people told me that I had a seizure. My lips were blue. They put me in a bed just to get me out of their hair, maybe. I don't know. And uh, I was having... Like trouble breathing. I remember coming into a state of semi semi consciousness. I wasn't dreaming. I wasn't awake, but it was something where I could see out of my eyes. And uh, about three feet away from my bed, the bed I was in, there was a figure. It was a man, long, snow white beard, white um, robe. I would say like your classic like Middle Eastern robe. I'd say from like looking at it now. Um, I don't really remember the face, but it was a, a gentle, a gentle look. And I remember coming before I saw that I came to my heart felt like it was about to pop. I couldn't breathe, and um, I was gasping for air. And he was saying, "Take three breaths in, three breaths out," and he was repeating it. And I started doing it, and I woke up out of that state, just breathing heavy like that. And it was like you know, it was I was wide awake. I wasn't dreaming in that. Were you raised? Were you raised as a Christian as a child? Were you raised and go? Did you? Were you taken to church as a kid? No, no, I was not. My dad is was a religious man, but I don't live with him during the week, so I'm on the weekends. So he would talk to me about God here and there. But when I was a teenager partying, I wasn't. You know, I didn't, pro, pro, you know, proclaim to be a religious man. If I was driving too fast, I'd probably, oh God, help me! If I hit some ice or something, but. No, I wasn't religious. Well, today, okay, you went through this this drug thing. You came out of it. You had a stereotypical vision of God or Jesus-like figure from calendars or whatever, if you want to be cynical about it. Where are you today with regard to all of this? Um, I honestly, it's on the back burner. Like, I don't think... You don't think, you don't think about it, but to, because I asked the question, it brought up this, this horrible time in your life, right? Yeah, and it it's a free, like, the memory's still, like, I don't think about it, but when listening to your show it triggered it it was fresh as could be and well you know what's interesting though you see i bring this up and everyone has something to say about it everyone's thought about it everyone knows someone who's been there and come back or been there and didn't come back and they all know that that's the way of all flesh we're all going there yeah that's true right like <laughs> there's only one road we're all on we're on different roads but they all lead they all lead somewhere and they kind of all lead to the same end in some ways whether it's a brick falling off a building or whatever it is. Yeah. We're all going to see the light or not see the light. And, you know, the cynic says that's ah, all crap. When we die, we die. And there was nothing there. I don't believe that. Do you believe there's an afterlife? I do. Yes, I do. 
because of that experience or, or, or why? No. Nowadays, I do, I do have Christian faith, but back then I didn't, and it wasn't because of that. It's just nowadays, I believe in an afterlife. But, and do, do you have children? <laughs> I do. I have a, a four-month-old and a three-year-old. Well, there you go, my friend. Every man yeah. I've ever spoken to from the time I'm 20 years old will tell the same thing. A man's life changes when he has a child. Yes, everything is in perspective now. With like everything changes when that baby takes the first steps into this world. That first passage through the mother, the, the world, the world changes, and and it's what makes a man a whole man. That's why a man must have a, a family. God made it that way. A man must have a family in order to be a whole man. I mean, we don't want to hear that. It's not popular today. Say, oh, we don't need to be that. We could be this, we could be that. We don't need children. What? I don't believe it. And I, I just know men change when they have a child because they become protective. They, an instinct kicks into a man. He becomes ferocious, ferociously protective for that little innocent ball of protoplasm. Well, thank you for sharing. It's kind of an interesting story in its own way, and we're running short of time. I have time here for one quick call. How's uh, the best one here, Jim? Who's the best one out there with the best phone call? Line who? Line six, John in Folsom, California. John, welcome to the Savage Nation. You're listening to me uh, probably online or on KSFO. What's on your mind, John? KSFO, um, hi, Dr. Savage. I'm going to start at the end and work backwards really quick. Um, our Our journey here on Earth is to grow our soul towards pure love and white light. And um, we don't get the answers to all these life riddles while we're here. But when we're on the other side, we get the answers, and then it all makes sense. And that happened to me when I was 17 years old, when I splattered down the rocks in Yosemite Valley. I fell off a cliff. Mm. I went up and to the right, saw my body down at the left, big white puffy clouds that we all hear about, and this man's kind man's face came to me. He kind of looked like Albert Einstein with gray, messed up hair and crinkly blue eyes. And I reached <laughs> out and I said, I said, let's go. And he said, no, it's not time. And I said, mm. you mean it's not time? And he said, you're going to have a divorce and you're going to have two sons. And then at that moment, I could see the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. Oh. It was like seeing movie clips and you could zoom into a single frame at any time. And I remember saying to myself, oh, I get it. I get it. Oh. And the... Wait, wait, stop for a minute. The, are you a television watcher? Did you ever watch The Sopranos on television? I, I'm very familiar with it, but I did not. Well, there's a, there's a great toward the end. To, Tony Soprano goes on a trip, uh, a mushroom trip with a girl out in Las Vegas, and he screams out, and he's high looking at the sunrise. I get it! I get it. Right. Yeah. So what is it that you got? Um, I got the, the thing that everything is going to be all right, and that the other side, that place where it's just pure love and white light, is no more than an arm's length away from me. It's just a matter of how I want to, if I can quiet my mind and get a peaceful heart, I can feel it sometimes. And wow. Oh, wait, you fell off a cliff. You were dead? 
What actually happened to your body? We don't have much time. I'm curious. What broke when you fell? I cracked my skull, cut open my liver, broke both ribs, collapsed the lung, separated my shoulder. Jeez, that would have killed. That would have killed most people. That's what they said. They usually pick up people like me in body bags. Wow, that's an amazing story and one I will not forget soon, John. I fr- frankly, you know, it's a day like today and days like these days, these spiritually important days to me, that I really hear who's listening to this program and none of you listening to this show today is stereotypically a talk radio listener, especially the people who have called. And I want to thank each and every one of you. I'll be right back. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. It is The uh, Savage Nation. It's a remarkable time, and I just tweeted the following. Tell me if you have anything to say on this. My callers today and yesterday redefined talk radio for the better. Do you like non-political shows? Okay, it's a loaded question. Yes, I want you to rub my back and say, yeah, Mike, we love you. We love your non-political shows. But do you? Or do you want to sit and hear about uh, impeachment, impeachment, Pelosi, Nadler, Nadler, Schiff? I I can't do it. God bless those who can only do that. Different strokes for different talk show hosts. But here we are. Tomorrow's a big day when the charade continues when the kabuki drama continues, and they've pulled Nadler off the stage. He himself sank Pelosi's dreams by three to five points. The minute he appeared, he was so unattractive. Her whole thing collapsed around her, so they pulled him off the stage, and they said he's got a family issue. He can't be there tomorrow. I love it. I love it. Do you love it? This is the Savage Nation. With God's will and your listenership, I shall return. Westwood One Podcast Network.